We know how to put together a website that's going to convert. We know that we have three to five seconds for people to pass what Don calls the grunt test, meaning you have to tell them what you do in three seconds. You have to tell them how they you can help them survive and thrive. And you have to tell them what that call to action is. So we know these little tips and tricks. We know what messaging is going to work. And that is what a StoryBrand certified agency does. And that's what we're trained to do. You're listening to the Deal Closers podcast brought to you by WebsiteClosers.com, a show about how to build your e-commerce business to be profitable, scalable, and one day even sellable. I'm Isaac Porter, and on the show today, we have Jessica Embry from Tulip Media Group. She comes on to tell us how we can discover our core customers and market to them through storytelling. From a recent LinkedIn article from Jessica, she writes, one of the biggest problems that businesses have today is spending so much time, money, and resources on marketing that don't produce the results they really are looking for. And this usually boils down to unclear and confusing messaging. If your potential customer can't understand what it is that you do and how you can help them, then they're not going to convert on your site. If they can't understand what you're selling, they will leave and go buy it from someone else. So true. But how do we fix that? Let's find out. Hey, Jessica, how are you doing today? Good. How are you, Isaac? I'm doing awesome. Thanks. Before we get into the storytelling, and I've got a bunch of questions to ask you about that and, and how it can help our, our listeners kind of prepare for a potential exit in the future of their business, uh, I want to hear your story. Specifically, tell me what J&J Blueberry Enterprises means to you. So I grew up an entrepreneur in an entrepreneurial family. My father was self-employed uh, forester. My mother was always in HR and managing people. So I grew up with that in my blood. And I also grew up being taught what the value of a dollar was. So I didn't have those those usual allowances. And we had a blueberry farm. And every summer, my, my sister and I would rake blueberries. And if anybody's ever raked blueberries, it's back-breaking work. I've never raked blueberries. What does that mean? You With a rake? Yep. You, rake you them? have a hand rake and you bend down and you rake up a whole bunch of blueberries and put them in the bucket and you continue the process. And it is backbreaking. You're sore at the end of the day. You're sweating. And it was hard work. And after we raked all these blueberries, pints and pints of blueberries, we sold them door to door. And this is me when I was 10 years old. So no one could say no to a 10-year-old trying to sell blueberries door to door. But it really taught me the value of hard work, taught me how to make my own money, taught me revenue, we have a business card and everything. So it was a really great start for my entrepreneur story. And it's kind of helped me get where I am today because I had those same ethics. Awesome. Okay. So this is probably a stupid question, but don't blueberries grow on a bush? Yep. How do you get to the point where you can rake them? Do you have to rake the bush or what do you have to shake them around? No, you rake the bush. Okay. Yeah. I had no idea. Never Wild seen. blueberries are very small too. So you, when you're raking, you're, you're getting little blueberries. I have picked blueberries with my kids at a blueberry farm. And it took us like an hour to pick a quart of blueberries. Yep. <laughs> or, or, pint or whatever the little basket was they gave us. So how much did you sell these blueberries for? 
So back then we were selling about 10 pounds of blueberries for, I think it was about $20. It's a really good deal today. I know. I want some of those blueberries. <laughs> and we always had blueberries on hand, but it was a really good deal. And no one could say no again to the 10 year old's face and also to the deal that we were giving them. Yeah. So there was a story with your brand about, about how you got the blueberries. So your bio says you are a story brand certified guide. Tell us about the first time you read Story Brand by Donald Miller and what being a certified guide means. So we first read the book as a company, actually, in about 2019. And we realized that Tulip Media itself had a messaging problem. We were spending thousands and thousands of dollars on cold calling, trade shows. This might sound familiar to a lot of businesses listening. We were talking to people who weren't raising their hand, who didn't have the problem that we were trying to solve. And StoryBrand really brought that to the spotlight for us. So when we read Building a StoryBrand, we said, we need to change everything. And overnight, we did. We had a cost of acquisition before reading that book about $40,000. Mm. Every time we got a new client, that's how much we were spending. And it was it was gross. And we realized that we needed to change it. So within six months of implementing StoryBrand, um, of doing PPC advertising, keyword strategies, that $40,000 cost of acquisition went down to $4,000. So we really saw that change happen. It wasn't overnight because things take time, but it happened very quickly for us. Okay. So $40,000 is a big acquisition cost. What is your average lifetime value for your clients, just to put that in perspective? It's about four years. Okay. Four years. And and if you had to monetize what that client's worth to you over four years, what would that be? Mm -hmm. On average, our clients spend around $40,000 with us a year. So. Okay. So you're getting, you were at that point, you were on the $40,000 customer acquisition cost. You're getting a one-year payback, but mm -hmm. you reduced that to 4000 Yeah. And then, of course, we have retention and churn. So... Yeah. Every time we were a step forward, we were taking a step back because we'd have that natural churn happen, which is frustrating as a business. Oh, for sure. So you said you did keyword optimization and changed the way you were marketing, but can you just be more specific? Like, how did you figure out what keywords to go after? And how did you use that story brand methodology to kind of dig into the, I guess, the nitty gritty of how to actually execute on that change? Mm -hmm. So we do two things um, internally and also with our customers. We do a competitive and keyword analysis. So we want to peek behind the curtain and see what are your competitors saying online that are helping them find their core customer? How are your visitors or your core customer finding your competitors online and what keywords are those? So we do this competitive analysis to peek behind the curtain and also to make sure we're using the right language. A great example of that um, which we run into all the time, we call it the curse of knowledge, is industries use verbiage or language that people don't understand and they're not typing into Google. So, for example, commercial insurance is very popular in the insurance industry, but not a lot of people know what commercial insurance is. It's just business insurance. So let's use that keyword instead. I love that. Yeah. That's so simple, but it makes a ton of sense. Exactly. Yeah. So we use this competitive and keyword analysis to realize what verbiage and keywords we, sh we should be using. And then we use the story brand methodology 
to discover who your core customer is, what their problems are, what solutions and verbiage we should be using to resonate with them. And then we marry those two together. And that's when we get that impactful messaging that's going to convert. Right. So at the lead in of this episode, I, I quoted the art, one of your articles, which I, I saw on LinkedIn. You said, one of the biggest problems that businesses have today is spending so much time, money, and resources on marketing that doesn't produce the results they're looking for. Before we get to what does work, what are you seeing right now that doesn't work? And, and I guess, how do you kind of tie that together? Yep. One of the big things we see that does not work is using a push strategy, talking to people who are not your core customer. So for example, if you're trying to market to moms and you're talking to people who are not moms, that's not going to convert for you. If you're an e-commerce store who is selling curly hair products and the person doesn't have hair or curly hair, that's not going to work for you. So you really have to have the messaging and going to the right people in your target audience. Yeah. And I think this is so important right now because one of the things we're seeing in our space, and we we help online businesses of all kinds get ready to sell their companies. You know, we're we're seeing margin compression and margin pressure across the board. Uh, cost of advertising is more expensive. Customer acquisition cost is up. For a lot of companies, sales are down compared to 2020 and 2021, which were banner years. Mm-hmm. And so if you're getting ready to sell your company, it's a great time to be really strategic in your in what your marketing spend is. Because one of the biggest uh, expense categories for our clients is advertising. Mm-hmm. And paid traffic drives revenues for a lot of these businesses. So there's a direct correlation to being, if you can reduce your customer acquisition cost, increase your profitability, which directly goes into the valuation at the time when you exit the company. So I think this is, for everyone listening, I think this is really a key area to kind of hone in on and get more specific with your messaging and get more intentional about what the story is behind your brand. So... So what is a story brand certified guide? Back in 2019, when we took that plunge on changing our messaging, we had a lot of clients come to us say, hey, what you just did for your company is interesting. Can you do that for us? And we said, we have something here. This, this is interesting. What if we became story brand certified guides? Meaning we are now trained in creating this messaging. We know how to put together a website that's going to convert. We know that we have three to five seconds for people to pass what Don calls the grunt test, meaning you have to tell them what you do in three seconds. You have to tell them how they you can help them survive and thrive. And you have to tell them what that call to action is. So we know these little tips and tricks. We know what messaging is going to work. And that is what a story brand certified agency does or a guide does. And that's what we're trained to do. So how is that different for a services business compared to a consumer products business? Mm -hmm. So a service business, for example, um, are you talking about like a hair salon? No, service business, like I'm I'm thinking like digital marketing agency or lead generation, or I guess what I'm referencing specifically would be an online business providing services to other online businesses, just because that's the space that I play in, Mm -hmm. compared to a you know, a hair care brand that is selling, you know, shampoo, conditioner, hairspray and mousse, you know, through Shopify and Amazon? Like, how, how is the messaging different for a business that's selling service B2B services versus B2C product? 
Yep, it's absolutely different. So when we first start out with a client, we call through the seven-part framework where we discover who your character is, what the problem is that your core customer has, who the guide is, what the plan is, the call to action success. So we go through this with whatever type of industry you are, and it's tailored to you. It's not the same messaging across the B2B or B2C. It's always going to be tailored. At the end of the day, what is it that you want your visitors to do on your site? And that's how we start to tailor that message. So if it's a service or a B2B, we're going to maybe book a call, do a demo. If it's a B2C, maybe you just want them to buy right on your site like an e-commerce site would. Yeah. Okay. So you said there's seven seven parts or seven uh, steps in this process. What are, what are those? So there's first step is the character. So who is your character? What do they want? Are they a CEO? Um, are they a mom? What is their problem? Can we go through this with like role play it? You know, I'll be, yeah. I'll be myself and, and, you know, website closers is, is my business. And then we could talk about it because I think it would help to put context to it. Absolutely. So yeah, yeah. if I was, Okay, so we're going through this with you. Yeah. Isaac, who is your main character or core customer? What is it that they're trying to get from you? Okay, so my main customer is a founder or an owner of an e-commerce or technology company. They're selling their products. They're monetizing their business through online sales. And they're trying to uh, increase the value of their company, You know, maximize their value when they sell the business. Perfect. So the next step of that is to identify the problem. And it sounds like the problem is they just don't know how to maximize their business. They don't know what steps to take to get to the goals that they're trying to reach. Is that right? So I, I think the problem, there, there's probably several problems. So one is, yeah, what can they do to maximize the value? Two, I mean, this is just pragmatic. To earn our fee, we have to make the business more valuable than it would have been if they didn't use us, right? We've got to, we've got to yep. make them more money than they would have made than they're paying us. So we've got to be able to sh- demonstrate to them that we're providing value and actually helping them create value in the business. And then the other big part of it is the exit process. When somebody sells their business takes, you know, probably four months on average. So during that time, they need to focus on running their business and have someone help them go through this four month long process that can be time intensive if they do it on their own. Mm-hmm. Now, usually in the problem, we also identify feelings because we are very feeling driven and emotional driven as human beings. So I would guess that these founders or business owners are feeling a little lost or confused. And that's why they're probably reaching out to someone like you to help them guide them through this, this journey. Maybe in some cases, they've, they've, they've had an offer, you know, from a a third party, like maybe an unsolicited offer. And so part of it is they're, they're coming to us saying, hey, what's my business really worth? What expectations should I have for valuation? The feelings is really interesting because there's so much emotion tied up in the sale of your business. You know, if you found and start a business and you, you run it, you know, I'm, I'm selling a, a company right now where the owner founded it 28 years ago. That's um, their baby. That's their baby, right? I mean, he, it's, he's poured his heart, you know, his his blood, sweat, and tears into this business for close to 30 years. And even if it's not that long, you know, if it's two years or five years, it's it's what they've focused themselves on. And now they're selling it. So there's there's emotion tied to like, they want to see it go to somebody who's going to going to take care of it a lot of times. Mm-hmm. They obviously, there's a financial component. They want to make sure they're getting compensated appropriately for what they've built. And then there's also this, this 
part of the process where you go through and you somebody's got to look at your business, right? And be very, and sometimes very critical of it. And that can, that there can be a lot of emotions tied to that too, of like looking at the financials and what mistakes have you made and what things have you done well. And so there's definitely a lot of mo- emotions that go into the sale process for our clients. Yeah. And in the messaging that we'd be creating for you, we'd have to capitalize on that. So they identify yeah. with that when they're reading your website. And that's where the next part of the the solution or the framework comes in, which is the guide section. This is where you really need to show credibility and showcase your expertise into handling this type of um, succession or this type of selling of a business too, so they can trust you. Because at, at the end of the day, they're handing over their baby to you. So that okay, you- so that's that's interesting though to me too, because the credibility is something that we we talk about a lot, and it's definitely important to our clients. But I think in the process that we just went through you identified their need first before we're talking about credibility. Is that intentional? Yeah. So you want to remind them why they're coming to you, what feelings are going through. And then you're saying, listen, you can trust us with this next venture of your life. You can trust us to make sure that your business is being handed off correctly, that you're getting the maximum value for your business. And that's where that credibility needs to come in, that trust with whether it's testimonials, whether it's businesses that you've worked with in the past, but it's really important to showcase that problem and how they're feeling and then coming in with that solution and that expertise that you're bringing to the table. Okay. That makes, that makes a lot of sense. So are we on step four now? Yep. You're on the plan. Okay. Um, So we're very simple human beings. We want to know what what's going to happen next after I contact you. So for example, Tulip Media, our plan is usually around book a call with us. We'll give you a a custom marketing plan and you'll grow your business. So what would the plan look like for you? Is it booking a call with you? Is that the first step that they need to take to engage with you? Yeah. So typically the way that works is is we'll we'll have an initial call and we will work through a cash flow and valuation exercise where we're going to gather a lot of information around the business. We're going to look at some financial information. We're going to look at comparable companies in the market and how they've sold. And then we're going to give a, 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 a listing price recommendation is what it really is with a, as a range. Mm-hmm. Uh, it will be the feedback along with a marketing plan. So not dissimilar to Tulip Media. At that point, you know that's kind of, I guess, our call to action is, hey, if you like this strategy that we came up with and the value we're proposing, engage us to be your representatives in this process. Mm-hmm. So for example, your plan could be, and again, we're making this up on the fly, is yeah, yeah. first we audit your business. Second, we make a plan. And third, you sell your business. And you can get into more detail than that. But you're keeping it very simple for someone to be like, oh, they're going to look at my business first. Um, Then they're going to come up with a plan on how I can sell that business for maximum value. From there, I'm going to get everything that I'm looking for for step three. Yeah. And this this is interesting to me because in... You know, in practice, and I've been I've been doing M and A work for t- almost twenty five years, right? So there's there's a lot of nuance that goes into actually executing from the start to the to the end. Yep. And so there's a balance between you know how do we communicate that we're going to take all that work off of the, the owner's plate, but also keep it simple enough that it's not overwhelming. You know, I want the owner to come to us and be able to focus on running and growing their business while we're focused on selling their business. But I also want them to know all the things that we're doing. But I don't want it to sound 
overwhelming because it's not going to be their job to do that. So that's what they're hiring me to do, basically. Does that make sense? No, it makes total sense. And this is actually something that gets brought up when it comes time to do the plan. There's probably 50 to 100 different steps when it comes to that plan and what you're doing for that business. But if we can simplify it into three things, it makes buying from you so much easier for them because it seems like less work on their part. Totally. When you get on the phone with them, then you're saying, oh, while we're doing this audit, this is everything we're providing you to you. That's where you can show more value. But the purpose of that plan is to simplify it and make it easy for them to digest on what they need to do next and what's going to happen after that first step. I like that because you're, you're showing them, you know, if, if their goal is to sell the business. Yeah, like, I, like, I like the three-step plan you actually just yeah. came up with. Just analyze the business market the business, sell the business. So, um, and that's, I mean, that really is what we do. And then there's, like you said, there's a lot of little steps in between, but that does keep it very tangible, I think. Yep. Um, So the next part is call to action. What is that first step you want them to take? So for Tulip, it's book a call or get a magazine quote. We do print magazines as well. It is, what is you want them to do at the first step? And you have this on your site. A lot of businesses are missing this on their site. It's one of the number one reasons people aren't converting. Call to action. Yep. Clearly, easy button to click. This is the this is what we're asking you to do. Take the next step. Okay. Yep. Yep. After that comes success and failure. So, what does success look like? You've already talked a lot about it um, while we are going through this, which is maximizing their value. They're handing off their business to someone they can trust, maybe their staff is taken care of. I'm sure that's something that comes up. They want to make sure that if they are selling their business, that their staff is taken care of. Yep. They just want to make sure everything's in order. So what does success look like for your core customer at the end of the day when expectations are met? Okay. Yeah. And then the last step is failure. What happens if they don't work with you? So again, we need to agitate that problem sometimes in our messaging. Um, you mentioned um, in my my article that I I said that businesses are spending time and money on marketing that's not working. That's the failure of our messaging. That's showcasing what happens if businesses don't work with Tulip Media, that they're spending too much time and money on marketing that's not working. So what does failure look like if someone doesn't engage with you, Isaac? So, yeah, there's a few, you know, I, I don't know, call them horror stories or whatever, but... Um, <laughs> There are, there are buyers out there, institutional buyers, professional buyers, and they buy lots of companies, brand aggregators, private equity groups, family offices, search funds, and they're very good at buying companies. So if you are a founder and a, an owner of an e-commerce brand, you may never have sold a company before. It might be your first time going through an exit process. Even if you have sold a company before, if you're trying to represent yourself, number one, failure could be the performance of your business deteriorates because you get so focused on the sale of the business that you're not running the business. That's a huge risk. Mm-hmm. Uh, number two is that if you don't run a competitive process and you're you're dealing directly with one potential buyer, then you don't ever get to see how the market values your business. And you potentially can leave millions of dollars on the table. We've had many, many cases where somebody came to us with an offer. I had uh, a company earlier this year. They came to me. They had an offer for uh, Six million dollars on their business. You know, we went through our process. We actually sold the company to the buyer that made the six million dollar offer, but we sold it for eight and a half million mm-hmm. because they had to then compete with other buyers to get the to get the company. So by running a competitive process, it ensures that you see the market value and you're not leaving money on the table. 
And then the other one is on deal structure. If you're dealing with a very sophisticated buyer, you need a representative who can help advise you, who's been through these processes and seen, you know, convertible equity notes and different structures that can be pretty complicated. You need good legal counsel and you need a good sell side advisor to help make sure you're getting a good deal on the company when you sell it. Yep. And those are perfect failures. And one thing I, I want to mention to listeners and yourself, if you're using failure in your messaging is to use a grain of salt. You do not want to scare off your visitors with too That's exactly what I was thinking when you said failure. I'm like, man, that could that sounds like it could get scary quick. And it it is scary to think that you're going to have negative messaging in your site. So having just a little grain of salt is how Don always says it is very powerful, but you don't want to overdo it. Like you said, you have many horror stories, great blog posts, three horror stories we've heard of, but you do not want to overdo it in your messaging. So take that with a grain of salt when you're writing. Focus a lot on the successes, but also have a bit of failure in your messaging. Very cool. Yeah. All right. Super helpful. I think I owe you money now. <laughs> so usually that we, we, this was very, very high level for listeners. Usually this is an hour process that we go with client partners. And from there, we get what we call kind of the, the framework and we have a roadmap to always go back to. So when it comes time to do that website messaging, we're able to look back at these comments that we've made and make sure that our website is meeting the framework. We can use it in our PPC advertising. We can use it in our Facebook posts. So having this roadmap and this framework is a great reminder to check and balance our messaging that we're putting out there. Yeah, it just makes so much sense when you, when you put it like that. So do you have any stories about e-commerce stores that have implemented StoryBrand and, and seen results from it? Yeah. So one, we work with a garden center. So garden center, they're on retail, but they're also online as well. And garden center, as you can imagine, they have their peaks and valleys. They're very seasonal. And we implemented the framework for them back in May and their online sales went up using not only story brand, but PPC as well. Their blog posts and their organic traffic went up. They're more searchable online. So we've seen great results from them. I just got off the phone with them this morning and they have exceeded their wholesale goals. They've exceeded their retail goals. And it's December. Like besides the Christmas rush and the poncettas and the wreaths, things really start to slow down. So it's really validating to hear that they've met their stretch goals and they've exceeded their goals, especially during the off season as well. So StoryBrand is not just about paid traffic, though. It sounds like it's got an SEO component to it as well, because you're creating this kind of overarching theme that you follow and mm -hmm. like a, a, a guide that you follow for all of your messaging, whether it's social media posts, blog posts, paid traffic. Yep, absolutely. And that's the beauty of StoryBrand. And it goes back to my comment of we do two things when our clients first start out. We do StoryBrand and we do the competitive and keyword analysis. So we have those keywords that people are searching for. So if people are searching for Christmas poncettas, we're going to write about that in their blog posts. So again, everything trickles down, not only what we're talking about, but how we talk about it using the story brand. Okay. And at, at Tulip, how involved are you in kind of that whole process? Obviously, you're creating this framework and the story brand methodology. And then are you going out and executing on, on blog posts and paid traffic and those, those things as well? So we realize the success of our programs are needed when we're doing the competitive and keyword analysis, the story brand 
framework. And we also provide to clients if they need it, blog posts. So we have ghostwriters that can write blog posts for them. We have e-newsletter programs for our clients if they need it. And most of the time they do. Um, we help them with their SEO. We also provide them with what their website should look like. So we'll provide them with a mock-up of that. So depending on the business we're working with, we can customize our programs to them. Oh, that's really cool. So tell us about your book, Double Sales with Zero Salespeople. Yeah. We already talked about the 2019 $40,000 cost of acquisition, $4,000. And this book is really outlining what we did, how we did it. But it's also telling businesses what the main problem with businesses today, which is sales and marketing aren't working together. Marketing goes out and does what it needs to do, gets leads in the funnel. And then after that, they just kind of disconnect from the scenario. And then sales takes over those leads. And sometimes what we see that happens is the messaging marketing used is not the same messaging that the sales team used. Mm -hmm. Those leads fall off. So they aren't working together. They're actually working against each other. And our book is outlining how to align those two teams so that when marketing hands it over to sales, they keep going down the funnel instead of just dropping off. Okay, that makes sense. And, and where where is your book? Is it on Kindle or Amazon or where? Yep, it's available on Amazon and audiobook as well. Okay, cool. All right. So if there's one call to action that you want our listeners to take from this conversation, what would it be? Get your storefront ready, your website ready. Even if it is the header that you do, going back to that grunt test, if you don't have time to do anything but that, that's what I'd recommend is making sure that if I spend three to five seconds on your mobile site, I'm saying mobile because desktop and mobile sometimes looks different. Mm -hmm. I'm spending three to five seconds on your site. Am I able to tell what you do, how you help me survive and thrive and what that call to action is? If you make that one little change on your site, I can guarantee you that that's going to make a huge difference on the amount of leads that you're getting. Okay, awesome. So Jessica, how can our listeners connect with you? Um, If you would love to connect with me, you can visit tm.media forward slash double sales. There you can download a free chapter of our book, Double Sales, Zero Salespeople. You can buy the book. Or you can schedule a call with me for free if you want to talk about anything and everything. Marketing, we're happy to discuss. That was Jessica Embry from Tulip Media Group, which again, you can find at tulipmediagroup.com. Thanks everyone for listening to this episode of the Deal Closers podcast brought to you by websiteclosers.com. If you like this show, be sure to rate us, write a review, press the follow button, and share it with your network. And of course, if you're looking for help selling your e-commerce business, be sure to visit WebsiteClosers.com. This episode was edited and produced by Earfluence. I'm Isaac Porter. Follow me on LinkedIn, and we'll see you next time on the Deal Closers Podcast.